You're listening to the Rad Podcast. Explore wealth. Different model, a different way, different way of doing business. Mm-hmm. Parts of the country, twenty four seven, seven days a week. I was just done with the gurus. If somebody gives me thirty to fifty thousand dollars, that should be a lifetime relationship for Podcast Nation. Because if you give me that kind of money, I have an obligation, in my opinion, a responsibility to see you succeed. Well, hi guys. Well, hello. Hi, Inner Circle audience. How many? How many of our tribe are on? We have thirteen. Thirteen. Well, tell everybody they can start doing chats and asking questions because, you know, they might have better questions for these guys than me. <laughs> <laughs> We've known us too long. Right? Yeah. So, you know, Robin and Jeff have been obviously Inner Circle members for a couple of years. We're happy to have you guys on the podcast. We're going to have an interesting conversation. I had a couple topics in mind that I wanted to chat about. And one of the one things that was most important to me as we dive back in is I think there's a lifestyle that you guys have chosen to lead where you're kind of obviously still active and, and, and but also kind of semi um, lifestyle of, of, of choice, right? And I wouldn't use the word retired because that's, that's not the correct word, but you live a life, right? And you're investors. And so there's this way of living and there's this way of everything. Thank you so much. See, everybody can see my addictions. <laughs> I don't know which camera. We have like three cameras on here. It's just pretty phone. crazy. But you guys are doing great. I don't mean that as a criticism at all. <laughs> I wasn't sarcastic. I didn't mean it. No, no, camera is good. So, for you guys, you know, talk about, you know, kind of the journey because I know you, there was the grind, right? And you went through the grind of opening, building a business, and those kind of things, and the grind of going from I don't know what did you do before you're an investor? I was a salesman. You're a salesman. The grind of being a salesman, mm-hmm. right? So talk about you know lifestyle, like how you create what you have. Well, for me, um, I have been self-employed, business-owned since I was 27. I'm 60 now, so it's been quite a few years. Um, And prior to that, I just did a lot of accounting, bookkeeping work, so numbers, money was always something that flowed through my hand very easily. Um, And just, you know, built a roofing company up with my ex-husband at the time and um, took over that nine years ago. So it's 100% now my company. Um, business started in 1929, so it's a very old company. And <clears throat> just continue to do that. Uh, and then we started a another business, um, a manufacturing. I manufacture a product, and we sell that in fairs and uh, marketplaces, those kind of things, more so than <clears throat> retail, but we do have some in, in retail. But it's called Smitty's Glass Wax. It's really cool. I don't. I mean, I know what the product. Is. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's I'd probably scratch my sunglasses left less if I used it. So. You probably would, yes. But uh, it was kind of a pet rock kind of a thing, and we started that ten years ago. It's not nearly where it should be or where it could be, um, uh, but I've focus more on the roofing company and whatnot. So pretty much my father was an entrepreneur. Um, it just really runs in the family. And um, that's what I've done is just entrepreneurial and then just started other things and started businesses and, and getting my kids. All of my kids are entrepreneurs um, pretty much or they work for me and help me in the businesses and whatnot because eventually 
they can take them over. So, uh, you think they will? Uh, I do actually more so now than years ago, um, but at least they will for for a while um, because they're money makers, uh, really good money makers. So without doing a lot of work, I basically am semi-retired. Mm-hmm. I work maybe ten hours a week in both of my corporations and. Now at a point where I can almost work less because I just hired my son on, and um, you know he's going to do a lot of things that I just don't want to do anymore. So, um, but that's you know that's the progression I, of I've, getting older and have moving you had on. Have you fire relatives? I've um, hired a nephew. I've hired a nephew. Yes, actually, year, so. oh. I did, but this was thirty years ago. Um, we had a sixteen. My, my oldest daughter. She was 16 at the time, and I had told her I needed her to do this a certain way, and she's like, well, I don't want to. And I said, well, that's part of the job. If you don't want to do it, then you can go someplace else. And so she said, okay. So, yeah, basically. No, my wife's but then like, she came back and worked for us later, and everything was fine. So, yeah. My wife's always like, don't use the word fired. I'm like, well, people fire themselves. I said, when they're fired, they're fired. I say that all the time. I don't try to be polite about it. <laughs> I tell my assistant, you should really fire me right now. So... But it's kind of more of a joke. But yeah. How about you? Uh, was in sales for years. Did well. Uh, the company I was with was sold out from under me. There was no more position for me. So I started uh, the rich dad, poor dad journey. Down, yeah, down that journey. Uh, took several of the classes, uh, made some investments, and they've begun to pay off. But now it's to the point where I want my money working for me. And that's the neat part about this. Robin talks about semi-retired. I'm getting there, almost there. But what it's really given us is the opportunity to truly travel. So we've got a cruise coming up uh, March 10th. We've got another one in April. April. And then we're going to be gone for three weeks in May to June. And we'll do a Greece tour, and a Greece <coughs> cruise, and then up to um, Switzerland. Train so somewhere. it just gives us the opportunity to do these things that we haven't had to have opportunity and another cruise in July. Yeah, so we can pick and choose when and where we want to go now more than anything else. Um, that is, I think, the biggest thing that we're seeing by making our money work for us instead of us working for the money. Yeah. And that's really the, the freedom yeah. that it's given us at the, this point. And, and so I think that's an important concept when people are talking about money. And they talk about your money working for you versus working for money. And the, it's like an age-old saying, but it's funny how some of the most corny sayings are very... True. Yeah. But your money working for you and not trading hours for dollars, right? But as entre- you as an entrepreneur knew, and as even in sales, like that was never the exchange. It was never a dollar per hour exchange. And I haven't had that, ex- really had that exchange in my life. So yeah. I don't, I mean, maybe high school. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That was the last time I had that exchange. So that's an interesting concept. And so for me, a big part of it is like with Rad, re- Inner Circle was always about how much can we put to work mm-hmm. and so that was always kind of my philosophy it was how much can i put to work because like for me i only have so much to put to work and and yeah. you know personally you you know as an investor you run out of money really fast right you, you put it to work <laughs> right and then i'm fairly wealthy so you know but as myself it does it but gets even, to a point and you're like god i wish i had more what do i get to do now yeah right now what am i going to do right. and and so for me that was you know an interesting like when i started the first fund you know, five or six years ago, it actually wasn't, I didn't think that way. Like, I didn't have that mindset of, 
you know, I just was always about how how much can I make, and then when I make it, how much how can I put that to work? Right. So that was always my original philosophy up till about 2015. That was really just my general philosophy. Like I understood real estate and I understood real leverage and I invested and I made money as an investor. And I think right. like you being a serial entrepreneur, I was, uh, my parents were serial real estate investors, so I have that generational mm-hmm. knowledge, even though they could really screw it up once they made it. But <laughs> so for me, that that's interesting because now, big, especially during inflation, my philosophy is always how much can we put to work? How much can we put to work? How much can we put to work? How much capital under management? How much can we put to work? And so I think for a lot of people, they don't understand that that's a different conversation because mm-hmm. there's earn and taking what you earn and putting to work. And then there's how can you figure out OPM, right? Rich dad, poor dad, other people's money and putting to work. And it's easy in the original concepts of oh, I can go borrow from my cousin's brother to go flip a house or something else. And one of my investors tell me that I'm always scared for them when they're lending money to their brother's cousin because it's charity. You know, it's like you have to, you're not lending that money unless you're ready to give it away, you know, in that situation. And if you don't have the experience on flipping and dealing with contractors and all the things that go into all of that, because, you know, being a roofing contractor, you know, I, I have obviously knowledge in that, but I've also added on and built things, um, you know, on my own personal home from, you know, thousands of square feet of, you know, additional space and, so going from top to bottom or bottom to top on building, people don't people don't understand the things that you can run into and the problems that come up and you know all of that. So that flipping, if you don't have that experience in that, you can get into some trouble. Well, like so. for us, we're gonna build our first homes this year, right? And I I'm so excited. I put about that, that in too. our big, you know, high risk bucket. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I know that's the future seed of twenty twenty four. 2023 has to be building building homes in order to continue to make the kind of returns we're making. There's no way to scale without building, in my opinion. You know, it may not be building homes in the future. It might be building apartments. It might be building college. But lots of different things. I have many, many things in the mind for the future. But for us, I put that in right now. It's in the high-risk bucket. And we have, you know, anywhere from, 15, I think, 15 teams. I counted like 15 different projects actively being rehabbed, constructed, contracted. Mm-hmm. At one time, and we have in-house people too. But still, for me, and I, I had an inner circle member not that long ago say to me, "Dutch, like, you know, I'm given was going to give they were going to give money to their brother's friend to build his first home as an investment." And I'm just like, that's that scares the shit out of me for them. Because the, the, the other side, you got to think about that too. Is if that person goes belly up, what's your recourse to get that money back? Nothing. There really is nothing. I mean, there's and, the land, but I, I, yeah. But what are you going to do with the land? Land is tough to sell sometimes, and I think that that. For all of us inner circle members that are out there right now, and I'll speak to you, we are at the stage where you're beginning to really turn it from earning a dollar for an hour to really putting your money to work. And that's what you really got to do to make that big change. You got to put your money to work for mm-hmm. you. That's the change you got to go through right now to make things happen. I mean, we're doing that now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's truly, it really is paying off. It really is. Whether you're just in the in the read itself, or you're you know, doing a JV deal, or you're going to get into some of the into the OZ, or the meta funds, or whatever it happens to be, you've got to get that money to work for you. That's the bigger thing out there. 
And if you hold back, you're not going to make it happen. I mean, think of the people that didn't put in two years ago, and the first year was a 37% return, if I remember correctly. 36. 36. And then last year was 31 or 32. I, I just don't know the number off the top of my it's head. It's actually more, but I don't have okay. it. We don't have it off the top of our heads. <laughs> We're not there yet. <laughs> well, it's so, so in nine quarters, it's 19... Uh, 26, Six, so 92.26%. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then you can divide that by nine. So it averaged about 10% a quarter. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Look yeah. at what the real estate, not real estate, look at what the stock market's doing right now. Stock market. Got I try scared. to give people that perspective because, like, our last quarter was like 3.9%. But with the, sometimes what they don't understand, that's 3.9% from the previous stock price. Right. So if you go from origin of nine quarters, we've gone, we've grown, you know, yeah. 90%. In, nine quarters so yeah it's just it's unbelievable what the returns have been and i hope they continue i i'm, I'm sure we all do but i just again, have to make that last little bit if i can go up that 80 cents before the next quarter then then we hit you know 30, double your money or in 20 yeah in, in 10 quarters in two and a half years yeah. so that'd I be have pretty doubled cool my money on, yeah. on, on through everything my, yeah. yeah yeah on one of my yeah well that because i put it in in the beginning and just to watch it build, too. I mean, that's the neat thing. And the numbers begin to grow more and more as time goes on. It's just not, well, I put in a little bit and it grew a little bit. Yeah, but you got to continue to watch it grow. you got to leave it there. you got to make it happen for you. So you guys have made good money with family, right? So talk to the people about... Robin, can you turn the arm around? Thank you. Getting closer to you, The mic? Yeah. Pull the arm towards you. Oh. Oh, no. Perfect, right there. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. Nope. <laughs> Didn't want to stay. Pretty good. Right. There you go. Leave it. It's awfully close and personal now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You're going to have that cut that one. That out. wasn't yeah. You cut that out, right? <laughs> it went out live, though. You are live with 13, oh. 14, 15 Intercoco members. But, anyways, he turned a little scarlet right there. After that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm think I've ever turned you scarlet. I don't think you've ever turned scarlet. Okay. So with, um, with family, right? We so have a lot of that it. That was made for family right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make sure to send that clip to all your kids. <laughs> <laughs> so the, um, with family, how do you, like, your daughters have invested, your sons have invested, your family has invested, and even a little more extended families invested. So talk to them about those conversations because everybody struggles with that conversation because it's almost like I have relatives, right, that I almost feel guilty that I don't shove what we're doing down their throat sometimes because I'm just like dipshit, you know. And I'm talking about like close cousins and close relatives, you know, like, like hey, like this is something that other people can't do. This is something that is on a different level, what we're doing. But I don't, one, because I'm not a customer in the sense where I'm the owner of the company, right? Right, yeah. And, but two, it's like having that conversation for many people can be, you know, fairly difficult, even though my first investor ever was my wife's mom, right? But <laughs> yeah. I guess I invested. It's a mindset. That, but when, it, when it comes to investing and everything, to me, in my, in my head, it's a mindset. And so you have some people that are going to be very open to it. You're going to have relatives that are very open to it. And you're also going to have some that are, you know, definitely more on the conservative side. And, you know, let's just do the S&P 500, let it sit there and we're, we're okay with that, you know, and don't want to be a little more aggressive or they, knowledge is everything. Knowledge is power, right? So <clears throat> um, 
you know, obviously the people that you you know that could possibly grasp what you're doing, you throw that out there. I think in this case, though, too, what I have found is example. We've put money in. And as we talk and we have told them how our money has grown and, and where our money is at right now, now they're like, oh, they can see it through example. So I think it just really depends on who, who you're talking to and everything. Money in, money out is important to people. I well, and that is that question. Now, I've never had to yeah. I never pulled money out. I've always just moved it or, or reinvested whatever, it. reinvested it in, in you know, that all the different avenues and areas. In fact, I'm going into the crypto and probably a week. So, um, but yeah, I think example in, in, in a lot of ways and, and you know, teaching. I, I couldn't agree more. I think part of it is that we also got our, our daughters, Sheena and Jesse involved in it too. And then we've sent yeah. Jesse and Sheena off to some of the inner circle retreats without us. And it's-, it's That was interesting I, when the two of them came without you. Yeah. Because they were them. Yeah. And together they were them versus yeah. having mom and dad there. You know, and they asked more of their own questions and more of their own things, I think, in some ways. I, and, and, and I want that exposure for them to get out there and see it and, and, and be a part of it. Um, Jessica perhaps is a little bit more reserved in some of this, but overall she's beginning to learn and understand. She still comes to me, you know, what should we invest in, how should we invest in, yada, yada, yada. I know she's in the read and everything else too. Sheena's a little bit more proactive in it because she is a real estate agent also. So she understands real estate a little bit more at that aspect. But again, that's part of it. Here's two of them. Get them involved. Let them be a part of it and let them really understand what's going on overall too. I think it's like onions though. They're like peeling back. Oh, you know, are we all? Yeah. We all are. I didn't start, you know, being a business owner and everything like that. We never had a 401k within the corporation that we owned. You know, it was just going to be too much money with all the employees that we had and so on and so forth. So... You know, I traveled the world, owned a yacht, you know, I lived a great life, you know, and then got divorced. And then looked at my finances. I took over both both corporations. One of them is tanked. Um, and so now I am had to dig myself out of that. But at the same time, oh, you're 50-something years old and you have zero, zero retirement besides the house that you own. But you feel pretty good <clears throat> at 60. I am, I feel much more comfortable where I am. Is it going to take care of me and my lifestyle that I like to live? No, <laughs> but that's okay. It's good. I her. am, I'm moving in that direction. You know, I continue to invest, I continue to grow, and, you know, that's where I need to be right now. The thing that, you know, we wanted to do as parents is, you know, teach our kids start now do this now and now it's even into the grandkids start now do this now i mean i would love to start a you know for a a roth ira you know put my my grandkids on payroll and i showed my five-year-old granddaughter i said look if we if we do this look at when you turn you know 50 years old and depending on what the interest rate is and how much you put in obviously but at one point it was like $1.6 $1.6 million. And she's like, okay, grandma, can we do that? You know, but it's again, teaching them that you know, mindset. We started with, the, with the whole life policies for the, for, the, for our, our sons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was one way to do it without like it being a gift to them. Right. right. And so there's obviously different ways to, 
setting them up on payroll, you know, is, is, is another way to do it. And I don't know the legalities of setting up a five-year-old on payroll or not setting up a five-year-old on payroll. These right. are models that you have. Yeah. That took a shot with you. You have to pay the uh, models. That's a very good, very, very oh, good they, point. It's <laughs> easy. It, yeah. but they I'm start working, a lemonade company, I'm literally. Work, I'm working with, you know, Lee, which is, you know, one of our educators, Inner Circle members. If you haven't seen Lee, um, make sure you watch the recordings, those of you that are on, because he, he's really unique and special. Is that the legal guy that mm-hmm, came mm-hmm, on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't so wait to get the product from those. him. We're working on some of those specific things personally with yeah. him, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it can and, you be know, done easily. And, you know, I take to some of my own vulnerability, you know, in the sense of, you know, what am I allowed to do and not allowed to do with my children? But whatever we're allowed to do, we're going to do all of them, right? Whole life was, I think, when they were born, that was the first thing that we did was start building them, you know, their own own policies. That way, you know, someday they have that emergency nest egg that can never be touched, right? right? And I also figured, you know, no matter what happens in the world, you know, in my wife and I's world, that there's nothing that could ever be touched, you know, for them. So it kind of protects them. In some different ways. So that was our, our first one that we did. Um, my kids both have investments in the REIT because they both have given me money. I don't actually know where they get money from all the time. Because they don't, I mean, they're oh. five and six to be clear. We do. Yeah. It's called grandma. It's grandma. Called grandma. Right? There's grandma. But Micah finds money all the time and he brings me money. He says, Dad, invest in another house. Dad, buy a house. You know, so yeah. I think that's pretty cool. That's awesome. I like that a lot. Now you got me looking up at their pictures because yeah. I forget what they look like when they were that I know, that they're cute. so young. Yeah. I mean, they're still cute in a different five- and six-year-old kind of way, oh, but yeah. they were a lot cuter yeah. at that age then. It, you know, it's a great age. we talk about families and doing this too, and I've talked to you about this a little bit, but <clears> I, I want to get at least one of my grandsons to come down and do an internship with you, mm-hmm. if that still works. Mm-hmm. Because he, about a year ago, I said to him, hey, look for something to invest in, and, and I'll look at investing with you. And he went off and he found this meta world of real estate. Mm. Right, virtual real estate, right. A scam, that's for sure. And then you hear the guy you would trust to invest in real estate talking about meta world of real estate. <laughs> exactly. So I'm thinking, okay, he was in on it a long time ago. He's got a lot more knowledge in this than I do. But that, again, that's part of the legacy aspect. So I was, the but it's involved. legacy, but it's also that mindset. And yeah. it's also where the mindset is for those kids yep. at that age. Yep. You know, our grandkids, you know... Uh, you know, the two-year-old can get on a phone and find the games and do all of that stuff where, you know, we still stumble to figure it out. Yeah, my kids both run an iPad like they've had it, you know. Oh, like, like, exactly. like, like it was nothing, yeah. you know. So if we can give them those pieces of knowledge, we don't necessarily have that piece of knowledge in the middle world. At least I don't, for sure. She's much but more they teach us, it. us yeah. too. But that gives them a head start a little bit more. And that's part of the legacy. So I was on the phone with one of our acquisitions guys last night. Uh, his name's Robert. He's out of Florida. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so you really, so like, so like, so like, you're going to like, so like, you're really going to invest in the metaverse. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I said, we're going to take, I mean, we're going to do a deep dive yeah. into it. And we may choose not to, right? There's always that choice that we right. could make if we do a deep enough dive and I don't see the right, you know, things in it that we need to see. And he goes, but he goes in the, in the acquisitions team call, you said, are you going to spend $100,000 a month for the next, you know, four or five months? And granted, that's a very, for in our game, that's a very small amount of money. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, acquisitions, a couple million dollars a month in acquisitions. So, and, but I said, that's R&D for us. That's research and development. And so I'm building a metaverse team, you know, here inside the company to do that research and development. And there's probably going to be about five team members on that before we even make an investment, they're doing that deep research. Di- I, it, it's crazy because for me, I don't completely get it, but I also completely get it. So it's both it's both both sides of it. And 
you know, yeah. I've been a gamer, you know, a good portion of my life, so I kind of get that part of it, and I've played, you know, you know, RPG, <coughs> you know, game on my phone, and I've played different things, and so I kind of get it, and it's a multi, 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 multi-billion. Oh, yeah. Of a billions of dollars industry. Industry, and, right. And some of those will cross over into metaverse and different things, so it's fascinating. Yeah. Game, gaming is bigger than the movies industry. Yeah. Uh, and people don't necessarily... Least, yes, and, and people don't necessarily see it or realize it. That's how much bigger it really is. Yeah. It's just part of it. I never I never was a gamer, but I watched my kids. And, you know, so you watch... You know, I've watched my kids... My grandkids play... My, my kids, grandkids play Minecraft. I'm just like, okay, I don't get it. I would get so lost, you know, but that's what they know. That's what they do, yeah. and they do it well. So, so when you grow up in the Midwest, I'm okay. I'll winters, invest in them. <laughs> you were definitely during the winters, in this day and age, and even in my childhood, right, 35, 40 years ago, right. You during the winter, there were times when there wasn't a lot else to do. Right? <laughs> yeah. If you weren't on a on a what Sega Genesis back then or whatever, <laughs> Atari. Atari. I never really had Atari, yeah. but yeah, you were know. you were probably doing other mischievous stuff you shouldn't be doing. Yeah, so mine was a touchstone phone. <laughs> my childhood for you were the oh. oh yeah hush <laughs> you didn't have to talk to the operator and say hey operator can you connect me to or you had to dial a certain number just to get the time or the weather oh yeah yeah that was true yeah. what was it, like 411 or 511 yeah. uh, or something those days, yeah. So. oh yeah she is right. watching you guys right now she says hi mom hi dad <laughs> hi Sheena hi <laughs> we're talking so about you so what is the most embarrassing story you have about Sheena from her childhood hmm. oh god um, can, we're going to have to cut this part out. No, just kidding. No. Okay, keep going and let me think about that right, one. We'll I... make sure and get that one on, Sheena. <sighs> Most embarrassing. So with the, with the metaverse stuff, for me, Say, here's... Okay, wait, stop. <laughs> Give me a hint, Sheena. So I, for me, if we were deeper into the game the way we are now, then there's no reason why we wouldn't have been deeper into crypto from the very beginning. And so I looked at metaverse as something kind of similar in the sense of we need to have a thorough, deep understanding of it, right? I don't like the stock market in the sense that I don't like the ups and downs. I don't like that a politician or a business icon can say something or move something and it moves the ball, you know? Um, I don't like that a foreign power can move the ball on us, you know? And I think in some ways, I think Metaverse will be immune to some of those things. I think it'll have its other threats. Right, and one of the things we do now that we never did before is we do a lot of threat assessments. We do a lot of, you know, as a company, you know, whether it's in individual deals or moving into a new marketplace or doing a joint venture or business with different people, you know, um, as we grow the inner circle or as we grow the read or opening another fund, everything's, you know, we do a threat assessment on it. But with the metaverse, some of the threats that the stock market faces, some of the threats that even day-to-day real estate faces might not be there. But there's other threats, you know, like one of the bigger threats is if you, it's fairly simple, if you have a, have a, a verse that you've invested into the land and you've got money there, but something just way cooler, more badass than you've ever seen comes out, you know, you could, you know, it could devalue what you have or people could leave and invest in something better. <clears throat> but what I also know is if you've been deep into that world, We'll have a loyal a loyalty to the places they've, they've invested into and a lot of loyalty oh, yeah. into the mm-hmm. game that they've played more than people realize. And so there's different there's different kinds of threats, right? Obviously, there's cyber threats and different things. And so, like, we, we're, like, assessing what the threats, like, what are their security measures? What are their cyber security? What is their longevity plan? What is their 
financial plan and like lots of different things. And so it's still location, location, location. But what are the identifiable pieces around that location for the longevity? And obviously what's hot, cool and sexy, you know, Snoop Dogg's, you know, paid a lot of money for a thing, but people will go into his studio and watch him live, you know, recording stuff. And I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing, you know, to think of, you know, one of the yeah. great artists, you know, some people might have a different opinion, but he's one of the great artists of our time. Yeah, you he know? is. Absolutely. And, you know, that to be able to watch that kind of creation is pretty unique. Yeah. Imagine being able to go behind the scenes, you know, while, you know, Da Vinci or, you know, Michelangelo, Leonardo, oh, yeah. or one of the Ninja Turtles was painting. <laughs> <laughs> At that point in time. I knew you were going to bring it back to the Ninja I realized I said all three, so. <laughs> Actually, Da Vinci wasn't one of them. No, he wasn't. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's pretty, 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 pretty different. I'm world. trying to think of the names. I always got me stuck on that for some Let's reason. See, was, uh, there was the one with the nunchucks. He wasn't the yeah, smartest of the group. Yeah. I don't. There was definitely Michelangelo, right? Yeah. yeah. There was Leonardo. definitely Leonardo. Yeah. Leonardo and Michelangelo. You guys can help us out in the chat box. Yeah. yeah please. And Sheena? If, if they know it, yeah, Sheena, please. <laughs> so. Ah, uh, yes. Donatello was one. That oh, was Donatello, one. That was that's one. right. Yeah. So um, one of the things I used to struggle with, I don't know as much anymore, is when I'm doing downtime, I used, there used to be a guilt with it. And it was almost like all of you hear like... Um, like, I, I hear people online, like Instagram and different things, and they're like, talk about how hard you work and how hard you got to grind and how you have to be so uncomfortable and you have to be so uncomfortable in different things, right? And so when I wasn't uncomfortable and I wasn't grinding and I wasn't putting in that kind of work, I would start to feel guilt. And I don't think it was from those things, but I think I, from my own upbringing and childhood and stuff, I would feel guilt when I wasn't pressing, when I wasn't grinding and those kind of things. So how do you guys, you know, being semi-retired, right, but also aggressively pursuing your investments you know in balance how do you deal with that or maybe you never did i gotten to the point where i, I i've got that sense of, of security <clears throat> and comfort uh, within the reit i've watched it grow so much that i have that that gives me peace of mind mm -hmm. and that's made my life a little simpler and that i don't have to worry about that chunk of money that's over here and it continues to grow um that gives me a real sense of, of, of peace of mind at that point. I'm, I'm trying to slowly transition um, away because I want to be able to catch up with her so we can go at any time <laughs> at all. Um, I don't feel guilty at all. No. I, I mean, I'm, Nope. No, I worked my butt off to get where I was at. I've had to deal with a lot of ups and downs. And, <clears throat> you know, up until the beginning of this year, I always said I was a survivor. Because I did. I survived. You throw anything at me, and I will get through it. I'd go through that wall, around it, up and over it, whatever. This year, I changed from a survivor to a thriver. And that's my mindset now. And I have worked very, very hard my whole life. And again, like I said, I'm not at a point financially within my retirement portfolio to where I'm really comfortable. I, I could not retire, retire. Um, I would continue working the businesses, but fortunately I'm able to take that paycheck and, you know, keep things going for me. So that's, there's that balance here, but that also allows me to invest, you know, more at that point. So um, <clears throat> I don't 
I don't know. There's, I never felt guilty. I worked my butt off to get where I'm at, and there's still I still have a lot of growth that needs to happen. Um, I've been fortunate enough to make enough money throughout. Like I said, or, you know, earlier, I've Sheena's traveled the world with me. Sheena lived in in Paris for two months, um, you know, doing an immersion course and everything. And I was able to do this with my kids, and I I would never trade anything in the world for what I've experienced, what I've done, where I've traveled, and whatnot. Fortunately, now he didn't travel like I did. Now he wants to. So now I get to do it all over again, but I'm also you know, in a position financially, too, where I can do it a little more. Yeah. So he'll pay for a cruise, I'll pay for a cruise, you know, type thing. But no, I never really felt guilty. I, I, I think there's a difference, I too, in, 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 I don't. in not feeling guilty. I don't think we'll ever retire. And, I don't and, think so either, and, really. and the term retirement has changed as time has gone on. Because of where we're at, we'll always have to watch our investments. And some people in the old term of being retired, they would get a check every month that would come to them, and that would be it. I don't not think that's what retirement looks like. No, not anymore. anymore. For, not especially anymore, for inner right. circle members. If you want lifestyle. Yeah. Right. For inner circle members, it's going to be different. Can't. You're going to watch your investments continue to grow, and you will be active in your investments because they will be of substantial amounts as time goes on that you're going to have to watch them. But it'll give you the freedom to get up and go when you want to go. I mean, we're starting to... well. We haven't looked lately, but we'll begin to look at saying, oh, uh, this cruise is in two days, and it's a super cheap one. Let's go, yeah. you know, kind of thing. And I think that's, so for... I just that, give everyone one piece of advice, like really clear piece of advice. If there's a cruise in two days and it's super cheap, I would recommend not taking a super cheap cruise. Why, Why? not? Because super cheap, super cheap food... No, no, no. Some of those kind the, of things. The reason why it's Unless, super cheap is because there's rooms because that are the not, they're because not the full. Pandemic. They just haven't filled up No, 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 no. they're the not full. They, they want that ship full. I'm not necessarily so, a cruise person, though, too. Oh, so if you're a cruise person. Yeah. Oh, we are. We are. <laughs> Take yeah. me anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I've done Panama Canal twice yeah. and taking cool. him through Panama Canal next year, yeah. too. So, But it's just, it it, again, it, it, it as... That's why they're cheap, though. It's because they're the filling point, the ship. Yeah, and indeed. I think this speaks to all of us as inner circle members. We're getting to the point where... We're not going to be working for dollars. We are going to be watching our dollars work for us. And it gives us a lot of flexibility in the future to do what we want to do. But you got to put your, you got to put your money to work. Because if you don't, then it won't do anything good for you. I kind of look at, at some of Robin's points, right? And over the years, and I was, you know, there was that survivor mentality, right? And I'll tell you, both my, my business partner, Amy, and I both had that, like, if you put our back against the wall, we can handle anything we can do. We actually do it pretty calmly. Me too. And, I and, do too. And like it's like it's yeah. almost like we're more calm mm. during you know the disaster than we would be, yeah. you know, during the parade. You know, and and so one of the shifts over the last you know few years that that you know her and I both had to make is actually having that same type of peace through the thriving, yep. through through the calming, through yeah. the different things. Because you know, there's so many different journeys, and I, I like every step of the journey, your problems are your problems, right? So it doesn't matter that, you know, my, my, my legacy's well set in stone. But then there's new problems and there's new things and there's new pieces throughout that journey. But learning to, evolving. to handle those when you're yeah. not actually against the wall, wall anymore is, is pretty fascinating. And so, like, I used to write stories about my life. Oh. And that's how I would deal with different things. And so, like, when I was, like, 22 or 23, maybe... 
yeah, like 23, maybe 23, 24. I was, it was midnight. I was valeting at a restaurant, right? And, um, and the only reason I was valeting is because most of the time I spent my time playing poker to make money. And <laughs> Where was I, this valet at? Uh, it was downtown Long Beach. Uh, that's the Fior de, <laughs> right? I think Fior de Italia may have been the name of the restaurant. And I'm valeting near midnight and took a breath. And I look at my life and I'm like, man, this can't be my life. Like, it's like I've worked so hard to get a degree. I'm coaching junior college baseball at the time, playing poker, right? And actually, you know, I did pretty well at poker. That was obviously one of the down moments. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm looking at it and I'm like, I got to write a new story. Like, I got to rewrite. Like, and so I t- took this time to kind of write what my story was. And then I wrote a new story, you know, what, you know, next, you know, few years of my life should look like and different yeah. kinds of things. And like, I think it's kind of like what you're saying. You write different yeah. stories and you write a new chapter, a new version. But if you don't write that chapter, sometimes you get people get stuck living that old. In the old one. In the old one. Yeah. And absolutely. you can live in the old one until you make the choice not to. Exactly. And you can even, like, today, from the outside world's perspective, you could be the exact same person tomorrow. But from your internal perspective, you can be an entirely different story because now the new story has begun or the new story's in in process. That's an exercise, like, that was before I'd gone through, like, personal development and, like, you know, all of the different things. As entrepreneurs, we never stop doing those kind of things, Right, right? Right. But that was just something I did. And I don't know where I had heard, but that exercise has been a monster for me mm-hmm. throughout throughout those throughout the years. Yeah, and stuff. it's so easy to get so complacent to where you were. Now, I know I can survive just about anything. I've been through a lot, so I know that I can do that. So moving into now a thriving mindset and attitude, um, there's new challenges. There's new fun to this. There's you know I'm not financially set like he is you know in his in the, the two different retirement portfolios you know i mean if you look at his and look at mine they're completely different but um that's okay you know i'm i'm doing what i need to do you know for me and for the kids and and so on and so forth um so the survivor's still there but the survivor is back here now it's not here you know um, I, I also know I could thrive too because I took over a roofing company as a woman, you know, self-employed at, at you know, nine years ago. And when I took it over, it was a one, it's a million to one point. It's entrepreneur though to count their business equity. It's almost impossible, right? Yeah. And, and so like you have an income that's going to come in that the business is going to run, right? Your roofing company is not going anywhere ever, right? You know, and, and so like, yeah. but I choose to experience that where I was more business rich, right? Business equity rich than I was personal wealthy, mm-hmm. right? And yes, exactly. What I realized as an entrepreneur is if we don't invest, right? If we don't shift that, Then yeah. we'll be in a situation where we're getting to a point where we're ready to stop, but we don't have stuff outside of the business making us money because we live off of the business or we don't even pay ourselves from the business early on. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I always teach entrepreneurs that all the time. Like the first thing you do is pay yourself. Right. They're like, "What Which do you I mean?" That's like the first yeah. paycheck of anybody goes to you, and that's really difficult when people are like, "Well, the business isn't making any money; it doesn't matter. Pay yourself." Yeah, and they so you can survive. It's very difficult yeah. for them to understand, but if you don't do that process, you can't give yourself raises. Yeah, 
And you, you got to start giving yourself raises. I gave yeah. myself a really nice raise last year. One, nice. one, one of the things <laughs> Robin was talking about was, was retirement portfolios. And I begin to look at this a little bit differently as time goes on. It's not a retirement portfolio. It is just your portfolio. Well, true. Period. Yeah, not, not to go against yeah. what you were saying. but And I hear what you're saying. Because all of us within the inner circle, it's not a retirement that you're setting aside. It's a portfolio you're going to continue to grow. And that legacy will continue to grow with you, too. And it, it may be retirement money, it may be independent money, uh, it, it may be friends' money. I don't know whatever it happens to be, but remember, it's a portfolio that grows. And I, I almost don't want to use the word retirement anymore because right. I guess we won't no, retire I, at all. I get know? that, but yeah. It's, so it's that portfolio that you got to watch that portfolio grow as much as you can, no matter what you're going to use it for. How do you let go of the scorecard sometimes when, for you guys? So like for me, with with the REIT, it's a great example. I, I let go of the scorecard, and I know that's. For our investors, that's probably really difficult to hear. But I don't worry about what the percent return is quarter by quarter. I don't don't even you know like that's a non conversation for me. My conversation is, what's the right investing? What's the right moves? And I'm going to continue to make those right moves. And I let go of. Now I always end up finding out what it is because I don't have any choice, right? In the matter of what we're doing, but I seek to let go of that sometimes. But that's the past. You're looking into the future. Yeah. Where where can I move this into the future? This has already happened. It's like looking at a bank account, looking in the past. Right. So I can understand. I can understand where where you're at there. And as an inner circle member, as a read investor, thank you. I'm I'm glad that's what you're doing, because I don't need you to look backwards on you know. Well, if I figure if I try to so focus on a specific percent return quarter by quarter, what I feel like could happen is is that we start to make decisions based on percent return versus right decisions. So you put yourself in a box. Yeah. And you I, don't I want to be in a box. The other thing that needs to be looked at, and, and, and I'm going to use a comparison here that people may or may not like necessarily, but the Chinese do not look from quarter to quarter. They look at what the long-term aspect's going to be and what it's going to grow. And well, yeah, they have, definitely have a forty-year-old plan to overthrow capitalism. Uh, and, and, yeah, and, and, and I get that, but they've got a long-term plan. For all my plan. Chinese investors, I do love you. I just <laughs> saying, you do have a plan yeah. to overthrow but, capitalism. But the idea Chinese is, Americans don't. Yeah. You don't. You don't. Don't worry about the quarter. Worry about the, what the long-term effect is going to be, because this quarter may only be three point eight percent, but the quarter before that, don't forget, was almost thirteen percent. So look at the long-term plan that's being put together. That's the more important thing to me. And if we fall short on a quarter or two, no big deal. I remember a few years ago you said that, uh, you know, for, for some of the people that we're not going to be paying out uh, some of the money. And, mm-hmm. and that was because you were putting money back into the business to make it grow more in the future. And it's exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. Now the business is growing exponentially because of that. Well, I so, feel like our only loss in six years was a quarter where we just put huge money into rehab, construction, yeah. and, and other things. And obviously, the following two quarters were our two biggest quarters yeah. in the history yeah. of the company. And now we've stabilized out with growth and size now where any yeah. one quarter move doesn't affect the whole nearly as much as you get a little bit yeah. bigger and stuff. Yeah. If you're going to look at that short-term quarter, you're going to drive yourself nuts. Look at the long-term plan that's happening and look what it's done over the last talk about quarters but the last nine quarters you're up 92 percent you can't ask for much more than that i mean one of the things i think you guys do a really good job though is you constantly are plugging in a little bit more plugging in a little bit more and i think i've always found that the compounding effect for people that mm-hmm. continue to plug in a little bit more a little bit more seems to make the results grow in a way that it's just it feels even more satisfying right mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a person that puts in a thousand bucks and for our thousand dollar investor who listens to this i'm not 
criticizing that you put in a thousand bucks. No, they started, this is just right? A reality yeah. of life. Yeah. But when you have it, let's say you have the most incredible year, and let's say you make a thirty percent return. They made three hundred bucks, and they look at three hundred bucks, and they're like, eh, I could go, you know, work, you know, an extra day or two, and I could make three hundred bucks, or just let my money sit for a year, and then I could have went and, you know, ate, you know, a couple nicer dinners, and I could have took this little trip, and that's because they're looking at that micro moment versus the macro yes. journey as as an investor, especially for the especially for the young. I sort of think. Yeah, and the other thing I, this. I was going to talk about is that that we want to grow the inner circle and everybody that's in, in investing. And, and I talked to my, one of my best friends uh, quite a while about this, and he was very shy to pull the trigger on this whole thing. But then I talked to his brother, who's a little bit more adventurous in, in what I'm talking about, yeah. uh, in, in doing things. And he came in and sat down with you, and he pulled the trigger, and he became an inner circle member, and he became um, a great investor overall, too. And I think that that's, you know, just go ahead and spread the word. Tell the people what you're doing. I mean, it's a, it's a great way to get that information out there to everybody. Don't be shy about saying, hey, listen, I made 30%. I made another 30%. Okay, this quarter I only made 4%. But guess what? Look what I've done over the last year and a half. You know, not even a year and a half, you know, uh, two, and, or two and a quarter years. You want to hear a funny or ask one. them, so you he, know. So he texted me. He's just checking in right before he made a pretty significant investment with us. He's just checking in. He says, so, well, the read only did, you know, I think it was four point something, or no, I think it was for the year we'd only done like 14% in the first six months or something, yeah. you know, and he texts me, he's like, so, you know, like, I just want to make sure, like, you know, we're going to be keeping on track and those kind of things, and my response was, I can't tell you what the future returns are going to be because it's against the rules, right. so, but we're going to keep running the business the way we've been running it, and things look, you know, like we're going on the same path, and then the, it was the next day we announced the twelve point nine nine percent return. So he's like, "Why didn't you tell me that?" And I, couldn't, <laughs> I can't, like, I can't, I can't tell do you, that. I can't tell you that. It's like I can't tell you that. Yeah. So, but that, that's why I say to everybody that's out there in the inner circle, talk to your friends. I mean, yeah. don't be afraid to mention what's going on and what's happening. You'd be surprised at what people within the family you may have talked to six months ago or a year ago. All of a sudden, they're starting to come up and ask you questions about it because you consistently tell them, "Hey, this is what we got. This is what we got." So you guys have an interesting marriage dynamic right in the sense that it's your second you know run right at life with with a partner and you know the question comes down to like i know that certain parts obviously financially you guys you have your retirement you have your retirement or you have your portfolio you have your portfolio if i correct myself right how do you guys handle those conversations before you chose to become partners right in life and then how do you handle them now because i think now, there's a lot of people that are, you know, looking at that second act of life and how, you know, what is that, you know, what is those phases, what do those conversations look like? And there's sometimes, I'm sure, happy conversations and sometimes, I'm sure, frustrating conversations. Yeah, there, there definitely are. But I think the other thing is we both look at it as being um, what we want to leave for our kids and the legacy also as time goes on. Uh, the neat thing about it, like she said, you know, she'll pay for a cruise, I'll pay for a cruise. And it goes back and forth like that, too. But it's where you want to leave your legacy at that point. Yeah, I mean, we we both worked hard for, you know, what we had prior to, you know, coming together, you know. Um, for what works for us may not work for somebody else, you know. I was married for 24 years before, you know, we got together. And when you start at a young age and you build something up, you know, you're for me, I was... 
that's what I was used to. I was used to the shared, you know, kind of marriage, you know, environment, you know, financially and everything, you know. And then when we got together, that's just, that wasn't, you know, so I had to do some adjusting to that. So, you know, we do, we do have one shared bank account <laughs> with nothing in it because he, he has his thing. I have my thing. And I don't think we look at, you know, oh, you spent this much money. You know, when we go out to eat 99% of the time he pays for it, you know, which is nice because that's what he wants to do. You know, I had to get to kind of that point too of accepting uh, yeah just you know saying because in the beginning it was it was more he would pay for things i would pay for things and and stuff like that now now we don't we don't really worry about it you know so you know he's he's spending a lot more money on cruises these next two years than i am but that's okay we're both enjoying it we're both sharing it. that's what we want to do so you know, things are definitely separate in, in that sense, and, and that's okay. You know, I worked for my, you know, what I did for my kids and what he's done for his kids. And, you know, so that's just, that's what has worked for us. doesn't necessarily, you know, there's other people that come into a second marriage, um, and they do combine everything, and they do do that, you know. I mean, we've been married five years, so... You know, we were already pretty established, um, kind of where we were and, and whatnot. But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Let's um to our inner circle panel, right, of other inner circle members. Let's open it up, them and questions. I, I have that embarrassing. Oh, well, you have that embarrassing well, story. and it's the only thing that popped up because when you were talking about kids being five and six years old. So Sheena, is Sheena still on? Okay. Maybe you, you should get off Sheena. <laughs> you may hate me for that. No, it's just it was funny. So. Sheena was born in 1984, and um, so She-Ra, you know, He-Man and She-Ra, you know, Josh was He-Man, Sheena was She-Ra and whatnot, and I remember them jumping on the couch, being He-Man and She-Ra and everything like that. All of a sudden, Sheena sits down on the couch, and she's picking at her toes, and I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, I like picking at my toes, Mom. And I was like, okay, child, you're just weird. <laughs> so she... <laughs> There's been That's a lot the best of you could do. <laughs> no, Sheena was a great kid. She well, <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. The stories okay. I've heard. Over All the right. Years. I always told Sheena she'd be a lawyer because she could argue her way. I mean, intelligently argue her way out of anything. So, you know, it didn't matter, man. She could come up with the things, you know, and you're just like, oh, I never thought of that. So. Sheena's a great kid. She's my boys are pretty good at trying to get out of, of trouble. Just wait. One time I was <laughs> sent them in another room and told them wait for me. I'm gonna get in trouble, and they're in there both, and they're like, "God, could you really <laughs> use the Holy Spirit to have Dad give us grace?" Oh my <laughs> and, gosh, I love that. You know, what, what, I think, I'm trying to remember what happened was Micah threw a rock through the back window. Through the back door, which is a window, uh-huh. and and he shattered it. And he was only like four, right? Yeah. But but he just thought it was, and his brother was, I guess, probably encouraging him or egging him on or something. And oh god, just send him in there. And the greatest punishment ever for them was just to send him in there and let them wait. Oh know yeah. What the punishment was going to be. Oh yeah. That waiting was the greatest punishment. Shana ever used to throw tantrums, and I remember one time I know. 
Children's services can come after me, I guess. She's old enough. Kids are all adults. They're all adults now. Yes. Statue of limitations. They they survived, right? (laughs) I threw in her, I put her in her room one time. She, like I said, she would argue points with me, you know, and she, there were times, you know, Sheena, no, you're not allowed to talk to me that way. Go to your room when you can, because Sheena always thought she was an adult. So go to your room when you can talk to me like an adult, then you can come out. We're talking, you know, 10, 11, 12 year olds, you know, but even when she was younger, I remember at one time I threw a glass of, water on her in her room I'm like stop it you know just because you get so frustrated but Shana was a great kid though she and she's fantastic now smart intelligent great grandkids you know the kids that you know excellent mother but every single retreat you ever come to in the future Shana I'm gonna make sure that to talk about you picking your toes (laughs) (laughs) Um, what about questions from the gallery okay so uh, real quick Yes, Vince your Perez. your brother-in-law, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, they went to, yeah. That's weird. So they went. He went to what is it? Lutheran or what school is it? It was a. Uh, Ask him. Just said middle school right now. Um, Vince, what was the middle school? Was it? A she know what was school? the middle school? <laughs> it, well, doesn't matter. Since they're both there. Anybody okay. else? Yeah. Uh, so I do have a question here. These are pre-email questions. So I do have one. It says, uh, "This is for." Uh, what was what is the best deal and what is the worst deal you've done? I haven't done any. No, just kidding. Um. The worst deal. So I got involved in a JV, and it sat there for what a year or so. About a year. Yeah, about a year. And it was an HOA foreclosure. Something, and, and it didn't do anything. Yeah. And then the that's when the REIT. Was that right when the REIT was the end of the year? Was yeah, that right, right around, around the when the REIT opened. started? Yeah. And um, I think you came to me and said, hey, this is just not a good deal and, and whatnot. So, but you even you even paid out on a little extra just because of me sitting on something for a year and, and I, yeah, I mean, put it, it, it was, right into the REIT. So, so, one of the things that can happen, right? It's a period exam. I think you were in for 100K. Yeah. Roughly on that deal. I think we paid exactly 100K. 115, yeah. 115, okay. So it's better 115. And so for us, time is not a killer for us, right? And it sucks. Like if you get contracts, permits, JV, something along those lines goes awry, it's a time lag. But as an individual investor, time lag can kill you. But on that property, probably was worth, you know, after rehab and stuff, it was probably worth, you know, 400K. So to pay that 15K to take that full ownership is a good deal to us because of the appreciation of time for you, you make a profit and then you can move on to the next deal. So that was your worst. So that's, and, but that worst turned into getting it into the REIT right in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And that 115K is now over 200. I mean, literally, I think I've doubled. I'll wait till the fourth quarter numbers come out to see, but they are they are that's the out. Thing. But I don't no, I know I haven't seen them yet. So, yeah. um, which is fine. But even I know I had doubled the hundred k amount. I just don't know if I'm at two thirty or, or, or not. So, um, you know, and sometimes yeah, something something like that is actually t- to me turned into a blessing. That's the way I look at it, um, and. We're in a JV. Sheena and I are in a yeah. JV now. Um, and we did some 
creative things with that so that I could move into the, another area. Which property is that? The Salford. Okay. So you allowed us to so take out some profits so I could yeah. get into the 1%, which was great. I paid Sheena off the difference, but we still are JV on that property. That's kind of and a cool situation where you invested. It really was it. cool. That was really cool. We invested into a deal. We refinanced it. You pulled money out, and then you stayed in, too, and you got to keep in to the deal for the yeah. appreciation, yeah. which right now is that property's 20% plus in the last year, which is pretty yeah, cool. I haven't, so, yeah, yeah, we haven't seen really much on it, but that's okay. There's, there's okay. this thing I, called Zillow. <laughs> no, oh, well, no. Sheena does that kind I'm of stuff, but it's, I'm just teasing. you know, we, we haven't seen any monthly rent come out. Actually, one of the things we're working like that, at, we're looking for, like with the new app folio rollout, is what we'd like to do is, is be able to do an annual valuation assessment for for every deal and then have mm -hmm. that valuation uploaded into the app folio yeah. for you guys, which is pretty, because I don't think and you guys pay next attention. Next month or so? Well, so everybody's got their username and login, and now... It's all about sharing information. So we've uploaded okay. information into the overall system. And then as individual investors, step by step by step, I told everybody last Thursday night on the inner circle call to give us about two weeks, about two okay. to three weeks, because they're sharing each individual investor and you have to go through every one of their investments and share them through, through the system. But with that, to do an annual property assessment, which yeah. is pretty cool too. Yeah. I think... One of the things I can say about that, I'm not necessarily talking about best and worst, but is, is setting the proper expectations for yourself. You know, your best case scenario, this is what we could do and make it happen, but also realize that best case scenarios don't always happen. You know, I sat on one, I can't think of the name of the street now, that was the one down in Houston where we sat on for like three years. Yeah, that was a plan. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it was just time for me to move on to something else. And so you got me out of it and I stuck the money into the REIT. I was happy with that. Um, I, and, and that one I was, because I, I, I'd set the proper expectation. I knew it was going to take time to get this thing done mm -hmm. and take care of it. And so that worked out well for me. There was a, there was another one, and I just, I mean, again, can't think of One of the things that's pretty cool is we'll probably start doing some HOA foreclosures again now that the market's opened up. And some of those HOA foreclosures we get in for five, 10, yeah. 15, 20,000, you know, with, you know, the long-term upsides. They're, they're slower deals, but the upsides are pretty crazy. Yeah. So Put your money to work. That's the key thing. I really have not had any bad deals. I mean, um, no, I I, I've made money on every single one. Um, Never lost money. Yeah, and that's that's the key thing right there. Yeah. That's the key thing. You know, and, one and of our marketing return. guys put together a video recently, and it was a bunch of inner circle members saying, "I've never." I lost know. Money. I'm on it. Oh, are you? With, <laughs> I just saw. It. Part of me was like, I don't know. Like it feels. But I, mean, I know it's it, feel, it feels so, odd to say to somebody. Nobody's ever lost money. Yeah, but let let me say this because when we went to the retreat in Vegas, there the majority of the people were new inner circle members, mm -hmm. and I was surprised on how many of them you know actually came to me, and they they were drilling me. They were asking me a lot of questions and everything like that, and it, not only was it a great feeling to be able to say that, but that was very much on the top of their head. Worry. They that was their worry. They wanted to they wanted to know how secure it was. And I remember when we did the panel there. I think everybody who invests, it's one of their great worries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the disappearing act. Well is it not? I mean mm -hmm. I invested yeah. years ago, years ago my my son actually got into a thing in Hesperia and I put fifty grand into it and they went bankrupt. So trust me, you know, being being a contractor and everything, I understand. I was I wanted to flip houses. I wanted to get my own co general contractor's license and start flipping houses back in the 80s when it started to become a big deal. 
And then I this happened, and then it was just like, oh, my God, you know. But, um, you know. If fact, your first deal goes wrong, the time, and this is what I try to coach so many investors. If your first deal goes wrong, the time lag between you doing that deal and your next deal, you'll lose, a lot of people lose a decade. They'll mm-hmm. lose a decade of returns. They'll lose a decade of compound growth interest. And that's why, for me, the first deal is always the most important. For new for new members mm-hmm. because to get the first deal done to make money from the first deal now as they do their second third or they go and do other things they have that in their pocketbook they have that in their bank yeah and and their knowledge bank too and they never understand the full cycle of a deal and that unknown escalates that fear of of the disappearing of the money when they haven't done a full deal from so it's kind of like a double-edged sword yeah. when, when they're first right beginning with that psychology and I do my best well we've done it extraordinarily well right yeah. with all yeah, new members of close deals yeah. and make money so yeah. but getting them through that because I think that's a struggle getting over that hump yeah yeah I, I know that people are I mean you, as as inner circle members we've all taken a giant leap to join the inner circle I mean it, it took me a while to come to the realization that I wanted to join I mean it took me some time to sit down and, and really talk with you and that was at the two offices ago um, but is that ch- that's a chunk of money? There's no doubt about it going were out you, of your were pocket. You, were you in the inner circle when we were still in the first mm-hmm. office in Rancho? Yep. Before we moved to Upland and then yep. and everything. Mm-hmm. Went up in his office and I had a couch in it and I was going, "What the hell am I doing?" <laughs> but yeah, we both been there. So. Yeah, yeah, but it was just sort of that that, that yeah. thought of you know where, where is this going? And we get less realizing. now six years later. We get less of the the longer time lag for people, yeah. right? Where they, where they're watching and they're, you know, but now we have a waiting list, which help, which makes a difference with that too. But well, yeah, I mean, from, from then to like where right you now, are now, there, there's a, there's a real track record crazy. that you can see over the last six yeah. years also. And with the SEC uh, filings, it's, that's a huge thing for a lot of people. Oh my God, they've got to go in front of the government to say that they're going to do this, this, and this. And that's exactly what's been happening with the REIT. And I think that's huge. Hey, we recently had a reporter contact us, right? And, you know, when a reporter contacts you and they're they're searching, right? They're, they're like, they're prodding and they're trying to, you know, because wow. they're always going to with a company like ours, right? And I, like when I can say, hey, you can go to our SEC filing. Here's what the link is. Here's who our auditors are. Here's, like, even for me as a business owner to be able to deflect that yeah. and say, here's what we are. And, like, here's, like, if you want to go do your research like, and different <laughs> things, right? Like, because, like, you know, you can look at, Anything is a double-edged sword, right? And oh, so yeah. the choice of like, and this guy looked up uh, two uh, L&I violations, which is like uh, like basically like problems with the property, right, in Philadelphia. So both were evictions, right, that we had done in this last year. And one lady put 38 bullet holes into a house and another another one wouldn't give us, you know, access because of, of COVID, right, which I understand people's COVID fears. Yeah. But we couldn't fix the properties. Or with the one lady, we weren't going anywhere near it after 38 bullet holes till... Granted, we don't invest in nearly as many <laughs> struggling neighborhoods as we once did, um, but that was a carryover yeah, from, from the past. But yeah, so, but you know, we offered him a property tour. Like we'll take you through every property we own, in you know Jersey and Philadelphia, which is that area, right. and we'll walk you through. And then then we started getting calls from tenants, and tenants were like, "Yeah, I told them, you know, you guys are great," and, and like that also made me feel good that our tenants we're stepping were having up. our back and yeah. good. saying good yeah. things too. So. Yeah, it's like one of the, well, you work so long for reputation. 
that's I've literally worked a decade. It's priceless on not screwing up reputation and yeah. and and having a strong reputation because there's both. There's having a strong reputation and then there's also not screwing it up. Because <laughs> right. well, yeah. Right? Yeah. sometimes your ego gets like recently we had we had you know a situation on a property deal and like my ego starts to come up and I'm like want to tell them to you know go pound sand and a few other words right but another part of me is kind of like you know let's, let's let's turn the other cheek and let's take the right path and Amy and I've always done that as mm-hmm. business partners even sometimes when it's hard but that's where the reputation comes from because I always say if you create enemies create future problems yep. oh absolutely and, and there's no reason to fight a war unless you have to fight a war and yeah. it's like my brother my brother Brent always says don't don't live mm-hmm. tough unless you have to live tough yeah. live easy if as long as you can but see your reputation your reputation everything you know I mean being being a business owner I've got employees same thing for you you know you can build that reputation but you've got a lot of employees and reputation can, matters to them too though mm-hmm. it matters to them mm-hmm. you know um but they can also ruin it very easily. They can. But taking care of your employees and so on and so forth, you know, allows that. Um, they want to take happen. pride I mean, in where they work. Yeah, they. You know, they want a to lot know of people do. Well. Yeah. So. Any other questions from the the gallery? Yeah. Oh. yeah, I do have a question here. If you had the choice, would you rather partner on a deal having renters, do a hard money loan, or a fix and flip? <laughs> it um, depends the numbers. Or which phase? What phase I'm in your at? Journey you're in. What 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 am I already in? What would I want to get into, and what do the numbers look like? Um, but I, I mean, there's a lot to it too. You've I mean, done and, hard money. I've, yeah, I've done hard money. I've, I've done. I haven't done, haven't done any flips yet, um, but I did the, the, the rentals also. Uh, a little background: I did rentals in Detroit also. Somebody hang me for that. Um, well, there's always going to be that uh, that company out there that's you know buying five thousand dollar houses and you know in you know Flint, Michigan, or that's what it was. Wasn't the company and, necessarily? And but, so then it sounds yeah. interesting, and then yeah, you know, I just yeah, I've, I've never found no, virtual real estate to be you know the reason we do virtual is because it's not really virtual because. We have our teams in that city. Yeah, people on yeah. the ground. I don't outsource yeah. property yeah. management. Yeah. I don't outsource acquisitions. I don't outsource those things. It's all I, in-house. And I think right. it goes back to, on, on that question, is, 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 is set your proper expectations, too. Um, every renter is, is vetted as best you can, but every renter may run into a problem. Every flip that comes along is a great opportunity to make something happen, but it may run into you know, permitting issues. It may run into construction issues. It may run into a water line that gets busted. Hey, a sewer line at some of the older houses. You got to think about these things that, that, that may happen. I'm not trying to discourage people, but just set your proper expectation for what you're going to get overall yeah, too. Don't. Hard money loans are great to be able to do. We've done several of those over the years. Um, you know, you're going to get back whatever percentage it is, but also remember the payout may not come right away at six months. So mm-hmm. be prepared for that, people. Um, it just really depends on where you're yeah. at, what you are looking at and what the numbers say and what you have in mind. So yeah. What else? Um, a question here is, um, what would you tell somebody about the benefits of buy-sell through the inner circle? <laughs> so is this is this is other inner circle members asking? It sounds like maybe my social media guy asking. We're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> These are email questions. I just got. Oh, pre-email okay. questions. Yeah, I just got. Hey, let me let me tell you. On, let me if if I can on that part. Um, we haven't been able to do it the last couple of years, which is go to the auctions. 
I still want to go to the auction. Me too. To see what they're like. I'm, I'm excited about doing that. That's fun. It gets you in on potential deals. That's the other big thing. If you're just going to sit in the REIT, you don't have those potentials for 40 or 50% returns on the flips or more, or more on what's out there. I think that's one of the big things you got to really look at. You're truly getting inside the deals. You're not on the outside looking in. You're getting inside to those deals that are happening. Yeah. You know, when people are making 8% or 12% in the stock market, but other people are making 30% on, on a deal, you know, in business also, and then other people are making 40, 50, and 60% on things, it's because the people that are making 40, 50, and 60% are inside those deals. Yeah. And with the inner circle, that's where you get to be. You get to be inside those deals. Otherwise, you don't get a chance to play. Plus, it's a network, you know. We go on these retreats, and God, we have so much fun. It's just... It's great to talk with other people, especially this time. It just, it really, it really was different this time because it was almost like we were the old timers, and you had all of these new timers, and it almost we, felt like we stepped we up in the world well, yeah. or something. I don't know. It was just, it was really weird. Well, you but. went from, you know, two thousand seventeen, maybe two thousand eighteen, being the new, new members to, you know, twenty twenty when you went to Idaho, being kind of in the middle. Yeah. To, you know, now 2022, you know, it's been four well, years. so many new members being a veteran, too now, so, you know. yeah. But it was fun. It, it was it was great to be able to talk to them and to reassure them and and make new friends and meet new people. And I, I think she said one of the things, to reassure everybody. And, and I realize people are always that, oh, my God, where's the money going to go? Is it going to be there? Is Dutch going to take off? Don't worry, we have an Apple AirPod tracker on him. He just doesn't know about it. <laughs> um, it's not happening. And, and, and understand that, that reassurance that, you know, been doing this for four years now. The money is still there and growing. If we need money out, we can get money out. It's not the, well, you'll have to wait. And, Which you've you know, never really done, but you have. I've taken a little bit. Yeah, I yeah. haven't. Yeah. I so haven't needed to. Just, I don't want to. Yeah. I yeah. just keep growing it. And yeah. That's where it's just, I'm at, it's just so. those, And those I keep adding to it. Great things that, that, that happen down the road. And, and you just got to stick with it because it's good. And as you say, out of the 10 deals you do, one's going to be a home run, one's going to be shitty, and the rest of them are going to be fine. Yeah. You know, so. And but we luckily, we've really. Well. Exactly. You handle them great, but I I've never, never really had a to, shitty, shitty one. Yeah. So. I never want anybody to think there's not going to be, you know, crappy deals. But at the same time, when they happen, we handle them well. And you as you said, you still make money, right? Yeah. And, and you still process into the next deal and you keep, keep moving. Mm -hmm. um, I think we can keep answering questions. But anything else, you know, you guys would share as more as advice to 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 the other members and stuff that are new. I, I, I again, I'll go back to get your first deal. Um, I know it's hard to do, even if it's a fifteen thousand dollar deal. Start because get your once feet you wet. exactly once you start, you're going to see the progress that's going to happen with it, and then all of a sudden you're going to be, ah, I want in on the twenty five thousand dollar deal. Uh, I want in that $45,000 deal because you're going to see the progress that's going to be made and, and, and you're going to start turning your money, which is the biggest thing. Once you start turning your money like that, you're going to get hooked. I will say I don't happen. think there's going to be $15,000 deals around for a lot longer, right? And I'll say that just as, like I always say, you know, a couple months ago I started saying I think we were like in a two-year window for like lending to be the way lending is right now and then lending changes and we have to put more money down or we have to do different right. things. But also with the rapid hyperinflation we're, we're facing and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Property values are going up, which means down payments are going down, which means that money that you haven't put into a deal yet is worth less, you know, now than it will be six months or a mm -hmm. year from now. And so it's that that window we're in right now. Like, 
a lot of new members don't understand. We, 2019, even 2020, we pretty much had to pay all cash, you know, early 2020. Mm-hmm. It's only been the second half of 2020 into the all of 2021 mm-hmm. where we started using a lot more leverage to do deals. Right. There's a couple of different reasons for that so people can understand market cycles is when I feel like a turn, a downturn is coming, which is I felt what we were doing at the end of 2019. I go into a heavier, much heavier cash type type business because I think it's safer during a downturn to be to be cash and cat and focus on cash flow. So at twenty twenty three, the second half of twenty twenty three, we'll start increasing our cash positions. We'll start increasing some of our more cash flow type deals versus more of our uh, have you know leveraged and more of our inflationary type of strategy that we're going on right now. But just so people kind of yeah. can understand those dynamics so mm-hmm. sure sure and 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 the real estate market will continue to turn and change overall you spoke i think it was on the on the on the recall night wasn't on, on live but i think you talked about you know getting into commercial properties eventually and and i can see that that commercial is going to take a hit there's no yeah. doubt about it waiting for the shorts to come yeah, yeah. they're coming they're 2010 coming. i think i wrote the country's yeah. i believe i wrote the country's first commercial short sale course and commercial short sale manual and you know, and I was, you know, got deep in with banks because my headhunting background was all in commercial banking. So I understood oh, the inside and out yeah. of mm-hmm. commercial lending. And and, I, and I, I got that, you know, who do you talk to? Who do you call? Who do you speak with? How do you speak to them? What are they willing to do? Not willing yeah. to do? So I'm waiting for that to cycle back around because, you know, since we've been a REIT, commercial is not, you know, I see other REITs investing in a brand new, you know, industrial, you know, building, building. because they say e-commerce is growing and it's a good <clears> area. Right after develop a finished building, which is a terrible investment, just to be crystal clear, people. Um, <laughs> I see, you know, people saying like they're gonna, you know, build, you know, sixteen hundred units on the beach, you know, with, you know, these are obviously competitors out there, where, but someone who's never built buildings before in their entire life, um, taking on a sixteen hundred dollar beach front project is, you know, yeah, it's, it's high risk in my no, opinion. No, very much, you know? yeah. And we do very some things it. that are high risk, but we have buckets, so we have high risk what we do every day and then, you know, our, our low risk safety. So. The other thing is, is even within the commercials, how can you repurpose a, a particular building? Um, can you take a, a, a take a mall and turn it into office complex for doctors and dentists and things like that? Can you take a hotel and turn it into well, traditional a, high rise office space? There's a good chance different. that it's going to have a bloodbath. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, you can't guarantee anything, but right. you know, there's a good chance it's going to have a bloodbath. I've seen office streets buying and selling from each other. Anybody who's, and a circle member, if you haven't heard this message, it's like the 19th time I'm sharing it, get out of office REITs if you have money in them in the stock market or if you're in like a portfolio that has office REITs as a part of it, it's not the time to be in it because yeah. the um, bloodbath is maybe six months away. It's coming really fast. Yeah. So. It, is, it is on its way. Can you take a hotel? They're holding it off right too. now. With yeah. like, you know, like when banks let off the 08 crash with like a shadow inventory of mm. foreclosures they were hiding, you know, the office environment they're they're hiding yeah. The, yeah. their yeah. lack of payments and their lack of leases so. yeah so my advice to inner circle members would be you know exactly what you said but also be careful with your expectations expectations can really hurt you they can be good for you it's it's a both sides so you can expect to make money in them eventually but don't expect everything to go perfect um, because it doesn't always um, so you have to you have to be a little flexible with that, but you're in a safe place. This is this is a very safe environment to be in, and we wouldn't have the money invested that we have. You know, especially if you put both of ours together, it's very substantial. So 
we trust you. We trust the company. We trust the employees. Um, so therefore, you know, again, for us, it's a safe place. But you got to be careful on, you know, really what, what you're expecting to get out of this. You know, some people come well, we're into We're not a, a sit you know, on the couch, you know, get quick rich. No, you're not, no. And you have never claimed that. Never, ever. I remember the first time we ever sat down with you and talked other, to you. Yeah. yeah. You said it takes elbow grease. And this, this is when we were more talking about doing the auctions and doing the flips and so on and so forth. You know, you there's work to be put into this and, and everything. What I like about the REIT is that I don't have to put the work in. You guys are doing that, and you're doing it very well, and that's awesome. So, um, But like you said, we kind of want to get in, you know, and do an auction, go to an auction, and uh, I think this maybe, year be maybe get a little yeah, elbow yeah. grease in Th there. You there's there's so. going to be ebbs and flows in what you want to do. I mean, for a while, I mean, I still am, just everything is in the REIT at this point, you know. Um, and eventually, do we want to go out and do you guys did the house in uh, Florida, though. You did the island, the uh, Columbus yeah. house, right, yeah. recently. Yeah. 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 As a joint venture, yeah. Yeah. So, well, and that we know that I know that's a ways away. You know, it's pretty fun about Columbus is the, it's such an exciting joint venture that the contractors and the, the acquisition, they're all excited to work on it because that's, they've never worked on a project quite like that. But to have the team excited is pretty cool. So. Yeah. Because sometimes it's just like they're doing the next job, the next job. So they're excited about it. Well, that's, when you're doing construction, it is. It's just, okay, buckled up this one, now you're going to go do this ugly, again, you know. Is it purple or pink? Pink. That giant, ugly pink house. You know, we have a pink house we bought at the very, very beginning, one of the first houses in the, it might have been the first auction we ever did in uh, Houston, and it's still pink. We left it pink. <laughs> Today, and it's been rented. Still on it? Yeah, yeah. And it's been rented in the very beginning and it's one of those things like I work on teaching our rehabbers and our acquisitions guys this so it's like people there's people for everything but at the same yeah. time you know our guys you know are past the phase where like they're gonna leave a red shag carpet you know in a house they're gonna replace it you know and put in <laughs> brand new carpet but when I first bought at auctions way back in the day I'd be like eh, leave it because I mean, as long as it was decent it yeah, looked, yeah clean but, it, but I was yeah. like eh, leave it and my people everybody was always like don't leave it. I'm like, somebody's okay. Somebody's going to want that. Somebody somebody's going to want that. Somebody's going to rent this faster because of that <laughs> than not. But now I think everything's pretty cookie cutter at yeah. this point. Yeah. yeah. You can see that. It's, and, and, and that, that, but I'll probably never too. let them, like, even when we paint that house, we'll probably make them paint it pink every time. So just because, just because it's going to be in the, in the, in the HOA for that house. Right, it's got to be eventually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but with grandfather laws with yeah, HOAs. I know. Don't I let know, an HOA. I know. Remember this, ladies and gentlemen. If an HOA ever comes out with something new and they try to force you the way you live or your houses, I'm not a lawyer, but in my experience, they can't force you. Your grandfather did. Did your grandfather did? Yeah. All right, everybody. We're gonna wrap up. So right. thank you guys for being here. It was a pleasure for chatting. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Bye, everybody. All right. Bye. See ya. Bye, Sheena. Nice toast. <laughs> don't, don't hate me. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Rad Podcast, an exploration of wealth. For more information, please visit our website, www.raddiversified.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. 